What's up everyone? This is episode 046, Topical Zoom. We've been talking about product launches. So let's get right back into it. One, two, three, go. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking Podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Design Your Thinking Podcast, and this is me, your host, Karthik. We've been talking about product launches since episode 45, which is the last episode, and we got talking with Stephen Haynes, the author of this book, The Product Manager's Desk Reference, and uh, someone who I've looked up to when it comes to product management and expertise around product launches. We talked about a lot of things in the last episode. Uh, we, t- uh, you know, we talked about how you can characterize product launches, and we also talked about some of the pitfalls and successes based on Stephen's experience working with companies and of all sizes. So today, I want to take the conversation forward with Stephen and talk about the other aspect of product launches, which is how product launches relate to the business, the business of the product, the product strategy, and how and why is it's important for product people, especially product managers, to be aware of this dependency and focus on the business side of things in order to make product launches successful. So uh, if you have not listened to episode 45, here I go. Let me quickly introduce you to today's guest. Our guest today is someone whose ideas and books continue to shape how leading companies create category-defining products with outstanding people. His enthusiasm and focus contributed to his best-selling books about product and business management, including the product manager's desk reference. He is the founder of Sequent Learning Networks, an internationally positioned training and organizational advisory services firm. Sequent provides the wherewithal for executives in mid to large-sized B2B firms to organize more effectively to produce great products. So let's jump right back into the conversation with Stephen Haynes, where we were talking about the impact of the business model on the overall launch of a product and the interdependencies between the business model and the business case. So here we go. So let me see if I can I can get this right. So um, one question is, does the business model impact how products are brought to market? Mm-hmm. And the second is a, a linkage between the business model and the business case. Correct. Okay. Well, certainly um, business model 
matters. If I go back to sim- simple examples like automobile companies or clothing companies or consumer electronic companies, um, you're producing something. It's usually something tangible. Um, there are a lot of integrated pieces. There are you know broad e- ecosystems that need to be catalyzed and channels that need to be um, laid out and things that have to be orchestrated. So there's a lot of stuff that's sort of structured um, and laid out. These companies repeat this process again and again. So they've, they're much more mature in how they do that. So, so if you're looking at you know, launch maturity models, you'd say there are some companies that do a really, really great job of it. Um, if you, when I worked at Oracle, and they were, again, they were doing these sort of platform releases maybe once every year or so, mm-hmm. um, everybody knew what, what was going on. And it was reflective of that, of that sort of license you know, and maintenance model. Uh, overall. Mm-hmm. But now we have other types of models that have entered the landscape. So you know, maybe have subscription models or other things like that, where the actual um, release of the product may take place at a specific period of time. And the business cases should reflect what those are. And it really goes back to that release discussion that we had previously. Mm-hmm. And that the business model of a firm will tend to um, spawn a, a given pattern of product introductions. And the most important thing is to understand, again, back to the strategy and the business case of what are we doing? Why are we doing it? When do we need to be in market? Mm-hmm. And how will we assure that all of the organization's um, components will align around that so that we can integrate whatever these releases are going to be into the into the business itself? So everybody, you know, there's there, there are so many variations on business models today. As a matter of fact, I'm actually doing some additional research on variations on product management, mm-hmm. if there are, within the context of some of those business models. And, and preliminarily, um, it, it, it's interesting because there are still the foundational precepts of, of understanding markets and having strategies and having performance metrics um, that have to serve as guiding principles. Those are very, very dynamic and, and some, somewhat amorphous to some people as opposed to the, the more linear flow of work in any kind of a company of, of, of plan, develop, you know, or plan, prototype, develop, go back and check and things like that. So what I think we need to do is recognize that in, in, a, in a company's business model, there are going to be amorphous elements and linear elements. And the people who can harness both um, on behalf of a product's business or on behalf of the portfolio of products mm-hmm. will tend to do a better job of orchestrating those cadences. This is interesting. So uh, I have one related question uh, on this topic here at, at this point, Stephen. I've seen uh, some companies do this uh, and they call these as mock launches or essentially launches that they do internal to the company before they actually do a full-fledged launch. And I'm talking about B2B here. And when I, have, when I spoke to uh, one of the uh, product managers who's been involved with one such launch, he told me that this was a way for them to go about validating if the launch was significant enough and if that really, really resonated with their internal executive stakeholders in terms mm-hmm. of the ability to deliver on what the business uh, is looking to deliver, right? I mean, is it aligned to our internal business strategy? Is it aligned to our business, um, uh, overall business? So what do you think about these mock launches and... Uh, 
what do you have to say about uh, when and why uh, people mm. do these kinds of launches from based on your experience well there are a couple of variations on a, on a theme as you were talking. I wouldn't necessarily call them mock launches, but um, sometimes let's let's take a very very simple example. A restaurant wants to open up, so they they order their equipment, they lay they lay everything out, they set the menus, um, but they you know what happens when a customer walks in the door? So they make arrangements and have friendly customers walk in the door, they lock the door and they run the restaurant for, you know, a week or two to sort of just get the bugs out. Mm -hmm. That's a way to do it. Other companies, um, especially in the consumer space or consumer foods, where they're launching a, a new category or a variation on a theme, um, may you use test marketing where they're going into a specific geography uh, or getting the product into a few stores just to see what it's like for ordering and shipping and customer satisfaction and things like that. There are other firms that where they use the term internal launch as a way to broadcast and showcase the product to employees and to build buzz and to get everybody excited from a, a company spirit point of view and things like that. So that's that's something to do and making sure that the salespeople are up to speed and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But it's really here, here's a really interesting story. I was working with a, a, a large communications client, industry client. And they were they were launching, interestingly enough, a home security system, sort of monitoring, you know, you could you could control your heat and the door locks and the lamps and, you know, put the dog out and all kinds of things like that. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be um, um, literally installable by any homeowner. And what was interesting is that the product was slated for a July launch in the year that happened and what actually the way the way i found out about this i was actually in their corporate headquarters building for another reason mm -hmm. and one of the exec product executives came flying out of his room he says oh my god you have to come in you have to come in the room i have to tell you the story about this what happened we we protected ourselves and we saved you know we saved the launch I'm like like what right well apparently they this product had it was tested everything worked fine it was already actually in blister packs ready to be shipped into the retail channels over the next month the product manager says you know something we're designing this for homeowners and consumers but you want to know something none of us have actually tested it so they got 50 employees to take the product home and go and install it in their house and they came back on Monday morning with like a whole host of problems where they literally had to delay the launch by three months because there were there, like settings and switches and things like that were which seemed okay mm -hmm. in in the instructions and in the testing were not intuitive enough and they had to change the whole entire user interface and things like that. So that was really very, very interesting in terms of um, an internal launch because it really wasn't a planned launch. It was sort of a react a reaction um, an unplanned reaction to, mm -hmm. to a potential launch. So the moral of the story is this. Um, from a, a launch protocol perspective, you need to characterize the product launches or the releases into, into different things. Like one could be simple updates. One could be more complex, you know, um, introductions, et cetera, et cetera. And as you and these are classified within the context of the business case, you could look at, you know, complexity or cost or, or the amount of the investment. And, and that way you'll get sort of your, your brain around the, the intensity of whether or not this is big or whether it's, it's, it's small. And then you need to have 
um, launching schemes and launching protocols that match what it is that you're attempting to do. Mm -hmm. And well-run companies do a good job of looking at each launch as a separate situation, calling on the best practices that they utilized in the past, and then continuing to fine tune the process of getting the product to market given these different categories. Okay. And and if I were going to make a recommendation to any company to, you know, move up the maturity scale on their product launches is number one, you know, again, focusing on the right customer, what you're trying to do and why, making sure it's aligned with the goals and the strategy of the product, that it fits specific investment criteria, mm-hmm. and that you have a clear clear path to market and a way to track what it is that you're doing once the product is market, so you can go back and, and continuously improve the broader process. Nice. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, I have one question uh, when it gets to... Um this whole pro- launch strategy, you know, customers and users are very different. And you talked about this as well early on in the conversation when we were characterizing product launches uh, using the airlines example. So in this whole B2B world, customers and users are two different beings, most likely. And for these products to be successful, it's very important for this whole early customer development to happen. So can you talk about what a good pre-launch strategy would look like that incorporates uh, customer early customer development in the case of B2B? Well, I think it depends on the business model and what B2B, what B2B we're really talking about because it's B2B to something. It could be a business to business to business. It could be business to business to consumer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed um, through my research is this, that if a business partners with its first level business customer, quote unquote, so you're a company, you, set your, you sell your products to a customer company, instead of a linear flow of left to right, mm-hmm. how about that the two companies partner together to clarify the customer types and, and and through whatever de- democratic filtering or screening, mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things that they ought to be doing to clarify who's the customer and what should we be doing so that their, their strategies are, are aligned because one is literally a handoff to the other, okay? That's that's the downstream impact. So if you, you sell software to a bank, you have to figure out, well, is the bank using it for internal purposes and their own IT or operations infrastructure, in which case that's one stop point. If not, if the software is going to be um, visible, let's say, in a teller machine or in, a, in customer interactions on a bank website, how is that going to be um, organized? So ultimately, are, is everybody in sync on who the users or who the influencers are within the context of that? And I think that that is, again, situationally dependent and shouldn't be broad brushed as just it would be to be, you know, you know, product delivery. Nice. And if I took the B2B2B uh, scenario, for instance, is there a, a pre-launch strategy template, so to speak, that you would like to outline uh, that, you know, my listeners can consider when it uh, comes to launching products in the space? Mm-hmm. A pre-launch strategy, I think, you know, I think it really comes down to what's in the business case and the launch plan. Okay. So, um, you know, and it's really interesting. Sometimes I'm anti-checklist, but when it comes to product launches, I'm extremely pro-checklist. 
Okay. So I want to make sure, you know, do I have a, a value proposition? Am I competitively positioned? Um, you know, checking my forecasts, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, I have my marketing mix model aligned, my products, my pricing, my promotion, my channel, that I've had my, my future state metrics lined up, um, that I've, you know, um, gotten the regulatory approvals that are necessary, that I have all the operational components of the business, um, that my channels are primed, that I've trained the sales guys, that the service people know how to take a complaint, or if you have physical product, that you know how to do, you know, return and and things like that all of those things are put in the context of a launch plan and the way I actually put it in the product managers desk reference book I have three different categories I I call them the three A's it's Mm -hmm. called it's one is arrange one is activate and one's announce and so there are, are things to do when you're making arrangements there are things when you're activating the systems and the tools and the operational uh, elements of the company and there then there are things that you do when you're announcing the product um you know to the to the broad marketplace and so that's that's a protocol that you can follow but every company ought to develop their own um i mean they can look in the book and look at the guidelines but again you can create a template for some of these things Mm -hmm. but then you have to actually go through the process and then continue to fine tune what's going on. And and what I would recommend for companies, you have sort of a a, a, a launch committee, if you will, mm-hmm. where people are looking at at the launch process from a holistic perspective. They're categorizing them. They're looking at what's going right and what's going wrong, so that they can take on. As as I've sort of alluded to before, a, the, a continuous improvement mindset for you know going to market and achieving success and figuring out what really is worthy of going to market and what's not going back all the way to the business case and going back to the strategy because i'll I'll see if i can encapsulate and summarize very very quickly if if 75 percent or thereabouts of business cases are failing to meet the goals and we haven't moved the needle in 25 or 30 years, we've got to do something differently with respect to our strategies, our business cases, and our product launches. Awesome. So um, talking about, um, you know, launch, you, you talked about launch plan. So a couple of questions here. What's the role of a product manager when it gets to launch plan? And mm-hmm. who should be kind of signing off this launch plan and at what time should the launch plan be created and signed off? Well, um, let's talk about launch category first. Mm-hmm. Um, the more money a company is investing in the business case that would actually bring the product to market, the higher up you need an executive champion to support this to make sure things are going along. All right. Okay. There, a product manager may have a lot of things that are going on. So if they have to focus on just orchestrating the launch, then they're not going to be doing everything. But may, sometimes they are. But they need project helpers. They need people in other departments to make sure they're doing what's necessary. They've got to have a, a project plan. Um, they've got to have ways to resolve issues and conflicts and things like that to make sure that the appropriate level of activities are taking on. So um, the more, again, the more complex and the more money that's on the line, the higher up you have to have somebody who's who's the champion and keeping track of what it is that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that 
it's it's a since it's a cross-functional endeavor, we may need to have somebody to do things. I have personally found that having a a launch project manager has helped tremendously in sort of just chasing, you know, hurting the cats, so to speak, mm -hmm. to make sure things are getting done on time. Because I have you know generally juggling a lot of balls and getting my job done. Interesting. And is there a perfect launch team, so to speak, that you would like to uh, suggest to my listeners to consider? Uh, I know you can't arrive at the perfect team, but then is there a sense of how people can go about choosing the a launch team? Sure, as cross-functional as necessary. I mean, you certainly need, you know, the, there are people from from marketing and sales and development and um um, you may have legal and regulatory people on your team, but um, generally speaking, a, a core team of maybe five or six people is necessary and a lot of ancillary people. I did, you know, it's interesting talking about market significance. A number of years ago, I did a pre-launch audit for mm -hmm. a big launch of a, of, a, of a pharmaceutical product. And this was a huge event. This is a company that had about 50% global market share in the category. It was a multi, multi-million dollar brand, and they were introducing some, some interesting new compounds. Mm -hmm. There were 500 or more salespeople. The mm -hmm. launch event was taking place over a period of months. But as you know, this, there's a regulatory framework in, you know, where drugs have to be right. tested and validated as they're brought to market. And, um, host of other organizational things have to be aligned. I, I could not believe how well lubricated this machine in this company was. Um, but we actually found in the, in the pre-launch audit checks, um, people who were, you know, missing certain details, even in a company that had been doing this, you know, dozens and dozens of time in their, in their history. Mm -hmm. So there's always something to learn, um, even when you have really gigantic launches. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. We, we are in the fact end of the show here, Stephen. So any last thoughts uh, for my listeners that you'd want them to think about and consider when it gets to product launches before we kind of drew the curtain down? Um, I think if, if, I were, if I'm going to leave a listener with some words of wisdom, um, it's think about the big picture. Think about markets. Think about your goals and your strategy, the kinds of things that you want to invest in and things that you shouldn't be investing in so that you have a better chance of getting to market with the right product for the right customer with the right value proposition mm -hmm. and the right competitive positioning that will help the company with an eye toward how will you fulfill the forecasts and the assumptions of your business case and what will you do if you're not achieving those goals Mm -hmm. um, one way or the other, because you could underperform and you could overperform. Right. Right. And either one requires vigilance. And and looking at product launches from a systemic point of view as part of one of the dimensions of a product's life. So we really want to look at our products as businesses across their entire life cycle, and that launches are just one of those components, but they it does not sit by itself as a discrete event, mm -hmm. but it's integrated within the strategy for the product or the product line. Beautiful. Excellent. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, you know, this has been a lovely chat. Where can people find you after they finish uh, listening to this episode? Well, certainly visiting our company website, sequentlearning.com would be great. Um, we could listen to my podcast, 
um, on the Sequent Business Network, so they can tune into sequentbusiness.net. Uh, that's another resource. Or through the books produced by my company, um, both by myself and my business partner, Bob Caparelli. Bob has written a terrific book on called Creative Strategy Generation on developing great product strategies. And so those are the kinds of things that uh, and resources that people have uh, at their disposal. Awesome. I'll have the links to the books, your podcast, and the company, and your blog as well uh, in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Steve. It's been a lovely chat, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. My pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. That's been an awesome chat. I, I enjoyed the entire conversation that I had with Stephen Haynes, and I really, really hope you found value in what Stephen had to share across this episode and the last episode, which is episode 45. In, in this episode, you heard Stephen talk about the most critical part of product launches, which is the dependency of product launches with the core business model and the interdependencies between a business model and the business case. And also, um, you know, I really liked the way Stephen went about explaining a lot of these things using examples, real-life examples that he has seen companies of all sizes do. We also talked about the interdependencies or the dependency the product launches have on us early customer development. And we also went on to talk about who, uh, is, who would be signing off launch plans, who would be the ideal person to sign off launch plans and the ideal launch team. Again, I, I really, really enjoyed asking these questions to Stephen because I have seen him talk about these things uh, in at a very great detail in his book and I thought it is important for you to know about a lot of these things and I'm glad that Stephen took a lot of real life examples to talk about um, each of these points that he made so I hope you found this uh, conversation uh, helpful and and please if you have not listened to the first part of this conversation head over to designyourthinking.com slash episode 045 and you will actually see uh, what Stephen had to share about, you know, uh, the pitfalls and successes that he's seen companies do with product launches. And also, he he tried to characterize the whole uh, product launch uh, early on in, in that episode. So do check this episode 45. And and for if you want to check out the links to Stephen's podcast, his blog, uh, do visit the show notes. You can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com slash episode 046. That's all I have for today. And yeah, if you like listening to this episode, I would always love a rating and review. So do that. Head over to designingthinking.com slash iTunes and it'll take you to iTunes where you can do that for me. And if you love listening to these episodes and this podcast, do subscribe to my newsletter by heading over to designerthinking.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, you'll find a button. Click that. You'll be asked to enter in your first name and email address. Do that, and Karthik will pop up right inside your inbox. All right, that's all I have for today. Till I see you in the next episode, stay tuned, stay inspired, keep crushing, keep pushing. Love you all. Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com.